Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey folks, Samuel Hale here, executive producer of Flags Fly Forever. I wanted to take a moment before we get rolling here to tell you about our Patreon. No, Flags Fly Forever isn't going behind a paywall. You'll still get the podcast you know and love for free on our regular schedule. But if you'd like something a little extra, head on over to patreon.com slash flags fly forever. We've got early ad-free access to the show. You can be in a Discord channel with Mike, John, and I. And hey, we even have openings where you can play in a fantasy baseball league with us. We're also open to add different incentives as we go, so come check us out. It's patreon.com slash flags fly forever. If you have questions about it, send us a message on Twitter at flags fly pp or an email at flagsflyforever at baseballperspectus.com. That's it for now. Let's get to the show. This is Flags Fly Forever with Mike Gianella, John Hegland, Samuel Hale, and the Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Team. Welcome, everybody, to episode 235 of Flags Fly Forever. Uh, I'm Mike Gianella with On the Eve of Opening Day 2020. I, I can't believe we're here for, for many reasons. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, John Hagelin, and behind the glass, our producer, Samuel Hale. How you doing? I, I don't know quite how to feel about this, to be honest. Um, I'm cautiously excited. Uh, yeah. I want to get a vibe check of, of you guys. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's what a joke you, for three people. Well, and my, well, my, 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 as I say, my daughter, too. That, that's where this that joke is originated. But Yeah, but she doesn't listen to the podcast. No, and she doesn't want to come on, she doesn't want to come on and talk to you guys again. She said that was weird. Uh, so uh, Not incorrect. Not incorrect. You know, a bunch of old men from her perspective. No offense, Samuel. You know, I'm talking to, you know, my daughter. But uh, Man, I am. I realize I am old. I may only be 28, but man, there was a couple of things that made me feel old this past week that I don't feel super comfortable talking about on the podcast with. But yeah, it's, that's a thing. We may have to do old cast 2020 since dad cast 2020 did such good numbers. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, um, I'm kind of psyched, like in, in a limited way, I'm looking forward to this like i'm looking forward to watching like actual games but it's going to be weird and like the the announcement today that the the pirates i'm sorry the pittsburgh is not going to let uh wasn't going to let the blue jays play at pnc park was was kind of a cold splash of water so so the point i made about this is you know pennsylvania's made the decision and i, I think it's a good decision I, I agree with it not to let uh, the Blue Jays play because they're like, you know, we don't want to let, you know, people from like com- coming into the city or coming into the state, you know, all this additional travel, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, 
I get all that. Although it, what's funny about that is you are going to have 30 road games. You're going to have teams coming in from other cities like multiple times to play the Phillies and the Pirates in, in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, I get you're adding much more traffic because you've got the Blue Jays and you've got their opponent. But still, like that, that, that's kind of the specter that's hanging over this, right? And that, that was a point I made on social media earlier, which is if if the season's canceled, it's not going to be because MLB pulls the plug. It's going to be because the Department of Health in a state like Pennsylvania or other states says, you know what, like we we're shutting things down. Like we we can't, you know, we we can't. Or a governor, you know, whoever it is, is going to say we we can't justify doing this. Well, and and that was the thing that initially in March kind of forced MLB's hand was, I mean, I remember specifically um, in Washington, uh, there were, I think this was like the day after the Rudy Gobert um, had tested positive and, you know, the NBA had, had shut it down. And there was, um, you know, there were, there was thought that, that MLB would follow suit, but then uh, Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington, uh, said that there would be no, or maybe it was a county thing, but anyway, that there was going to be no gatherings of more than, I think it was like a thousand at that point in Seattle. And then of course that means that there's, you know, going to be no, no baseball games with fans. And then, you know, the dominoes just sort of fell, but yeah, to your point, I think that you're right, that, uh, that there is this whole other, um, you know, this whole other actor or these sets, you know, set of actors that have, you know, the power over whether or not these games will, will actually take place. So, yeah. And I think that's also a reason to not kind of jump in with, with both feet or at least, you know, all 10 toes because it, it does still feel a little bit precarious, but you know, we're tomorrow is going to happen. And, in all likelihood, the weekend is going to happen, and I guess we should we should uh, talk about it. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing too. You know, as Samuel has has jokingly jokingly saying it, it's a baseball podcast, and I, I I think we spent enough time on our various podcasts the last two months, you know, kind of kvetching and complaining and and airing our grievances. So we don't really need you know we don't necessarily need to do that here. You know, I, I think we can. Um, you know, move forward and and not do that. So, yeah, we, we're we're going to talk specifically about baseball and and what the short season means and kind of how to play it and some strategies John and I are employing. And you know, honestly, the difficulties that that come with this short season. And you know, I think one of the first difficulties that that kind of occurred to me is you know I've I've had a couple of and I think we all have and I've had a couple of early setbacks. And I'm not talking about players who were hurt in April or, or who were diagnosed with COVID in, in May or, or, you know, whatever it was, who are still aren't available. Like I'm talking about, for example, I mentioned this pre-show, Tom Murphy. Tom Murphy has a foot injury and it looks like he's not going to start, you know, the season with the Mariners. And unfortunately, like in the leagues I have him, the fab already ran. So normally you, you, you lose three games of a player before you can get a replacement. You're like, it's no big deal, whatever. Um, you know, it's, again, you know, assuming it goes through, you know, it's three games out of 60. It, it's it's not insurmountable, but it, it sucks more. You know, these kind of things suck more than they would have, like, in, in 162 games slate. So that that's kind of the first challenge I see. And, you know, lineup, you know, managing your lineup and, you know, definitely making sure, you know, if, if it's Saturday or Sunday that you don't miss something. 
especially with weekly moves is, is going to be pivotal. Yeah. I, I think that you have to do everything that's in your power to stay on top of things and make sure that, you know, if, if a player does suddenly go on the injured list that you're, um, you know, if you have a chance to replace that player in fab, obviously you want to, you know, try to have as few dead spots in your lineups as possible. But I also think that it's things like this are going to happen to nearly everybody. No one's going to be able to kind of play this season perfectly. So, you know, you want to make sure that you give yourself the best chance to accumulate stats as, as best you can. But um, I wouldn't, you know, beat myself up over. And I'm not saying you are, but I mean, I think, you know, it's especially since we're just starting the season and everyone is very focused and very, you know, trying to be very vigilant and trying to, um, you know, get off to a great start. But there are going to be uh, players who get pulled suddenly when you can't get them out of your lineup. You know, there's going to be um, sort of frustrating, you know, usage of pitchers and and players. There's going to be a ton of platoons. And I think at the end of, you know, at the end of the day, you shrug your shoulders and you, you know, you just, you do the best you can. No, I mean, that, that's, that's really going to be a theme to this season. And, and, and really that, that, that should be a theme to every season. And, you know, I have to say, as I, as I get older and I, I mellow out and I don't take my you know setbacks nearly as hard as I did when I was younger, that is key. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like, yeah. And, and this season in particular though, like this season, you, you really can't get too upset about, you know, injuries or like, Oh, you know, this, this player's you know, missing or, you know, we certainly, you know, John, you and I, and Sam, you know, we're, we're not the kind of people to get annoyed. Like when a player, you know, goes on a, you know, a family medical leave. Cause you know, his, he, you know, they're, they're having a baby or, or what have you, but this season, especially, you know, if a, if a player, you know, leaves to, you know, cause his, his wife is, or his spouse is having a baby and decides, well, you know what, I'm not coming back for two weeks. I mean, that's completely understandable and it's just something you're going to have to roll with. Maybe since, you know, the, the one player for whom that is a, you know, a, a pressing question is, is Mike Trout. And I, I saw a story today that he he definitely said he was not opting out. I don't think anyone was thinking that he would opt out of the season, um, but there was some mystery about that. And there's still I don't remember exactly when his, his wife is is due with their baby, but it I believe will be August is the right answer there. I think it's early August, actually, too. So it's square in the middle of the season. So, so there's you know it's it's going to happen, and. And it's interesting because he's been, I should have looked up the ADP before, but he's, he's definitely been dropping. Um, yeah, he's, he, well, he dropped, I mean, he dropped like, I don't know if it was outside of the top 10, but close to it. And there's some drafts, NFBC drafts where like he fell outside of the first round, which I, I, I guess I get it on some level on another. It's like, well, you know, if Mike Trout, when he's healthy and on is, you know, 10% better than everybody else. It's a big drop. Like so how where would you where would you put Trout just you know off the top of your head um, right now if, if I mean tonight I'd still probably put him like third like I, I might drop him behind Acuna and you know I, I think with the shortened season and I know you and I talked about this because I've got one draft left 
I might actually put Cole ahead of him at this point, you know, just, just because I, I think the short season does add something or some ceiling to like some premium pitchers. I, I maybe behind Yelich twos, but I, I just wouldn't move Mike Trout that far down because, you know, like, like I said, if you get 90% of Mike Trout, you know, so, so let, let's say he misses a week and, you know, or let's, let's say he misses 10 games. Like if you get 50 games of Mike Trout, that that's still, that's still going to be some great production. Is it going to be the best player overall? Like probably not, but, but every player kind of comes with risk and, you know, even Mike Trout, you know, Mike Trout has never, you know, outside of that first season, he's never really been the number one player in fantasy. It, it's you're kind of paying for that expectation that the the floor with him is so high. And I think even this year, even this year, the floor is, is really high with him. So I, I know it's a boring answer, but I I still really still really believe in him and still kind of feel like it's one of those like you're overanalyzing it if you start dropping him and dropping him and and dropping him. Like I, I guess we're gonna do like a I guess we're gonna do a, like a lightning round. Like for an example, like would you rather have Jose Ramirez or, or Mike Trout this year? Like that that's 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 kind of a litmus test of of it's like okay well, if you rather have Ramirez then yeah you should definitely drop Trout a good you know well like twelve or fifteen spots. He's so in 15 team NFBC drafts in the month of July, he's going ninth currently, um, or he has gone ninth, um, two, two spots ahead of, so in that back, you know, you've got the predictable top five, uh, Acuna, Yelich, Cole, Bellinger, Betts, and then it goes DeGrom, Trey Turner, Francisco Lindor, and then Trout, Story, Ramirez, Verlander. Um, I wonder too, if there's also this kind of, I don't know, um, little bit of, of dropping trout because in the short season, you know, some of these guys who are getting pushed up ahead of him, like Trey Turner and Francisco Lindor, um, you know, they're, they're probably going to steal more bases than trout. I mean, trout probably could come out and, and run and, you know, steal on like a 30 base or 30 steel clip if he if he wanted to but it seems like his career is trending in the the opposite direction so i wonder if it's not just the the prospect of missed time but it's also just you know you people are really trying to push up speed in the in that first round yeah i i mean i don't disagree with any of that but the thing about trout is like even before you know even before the break even before covid that 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 didn't really change that much like that was still a concern with him like he he stole what eleven? I should have this in front of me because we're talking about Mike Trout. But he stole what eleven bases last year. Memorize Mike. I, I really should, given that he's like the linchpin of my, my Trout team, and I spent fifty three for him. Now that, that's an OBP league, so seven. Yeah, he stole eleven. So yeah. I, I guess my thing about Trout is that he's he's pretty damn incredible in four other categories, and I mean, unless he doesn't run at all. You know, if he steals zero, okay, well, I, I get it. Like that, that's that's a problem. If he steals three or four in this this shortened season, I, I think that's still okay. Like I think you're still going to be getting some decent value there. I'm, I'm looking at like the non axe projections just because we know the axe loves trout and yeah, like you know he's he's projected with five or six steals, and I I think that's fair. And I think if he does that. That's that's fine. Like that. That's kind of I. I could live with that given everything else. So, 
Yeah, I, I, there's some now. What might hurt Trout more, interestingly enough, is is if you know Anthony Rendon's oblique injury lingers and he misses some time because you know then you go back to that thing with Trout where you know he he loses a little bit in terms of you know what he's going to do, and, you know, in, in terms of production, you know, as in in one right. category at least. And I, I don't want to overthink you know in runs. I don't think I don't think it matters that much. I don't want to oversell it, but. You know, it's it's just one of those things when you're trying to figure all the stuff out that can play a factor a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. Roster resource last night still had Rendon like in the, and I know again this is really unpredictable. They had him in the open day lineup, and I I don't really see it. So speaking of unpredictable, I kind of I kind of want to segue to this because we talked about this pre-show too. One thing we we've seen a lot of people doing is trying to pick up these bulk relievers. Um, so. In the BP redraft league that we did, I should I say redraft, but it was just a, a league we decided to do that we hadn't done before. We we got rid of wins and replaced it with innings, and we replaced saves with saves plus holds. But a lot of roto leagues are, are just leaving the categories as they were. So you know, wins is still a category, and yeah, you know, wins is going to be volatile for sure. I, I a lot of these teams and pitchers aren't going to go you know the the full slate. I think even if pitchers are ready, teams might be like, you know what? Like we have all these arms in the bullpen. There's no reason to to run a guy out there for six or seven innings his first start. You know, particularly if you're you're talking about a weaker rotation and a back end guy. So so there's some opportunities there for relief wins. But you know, John, I want you to share this thought because you I, I like the way you phrased this before the show. Like what what's wrong with the thinking of like, well, you know what, I, I should grab a bulk guy, like I, I should look for some high quality relief. I, I should junk most of my starters. Like why, why doesn't that work? Just think that it's not going to be something that you can count on week to week, um, and targeting it, targeting it is going to be problematic because absent a couple of teams and a couple of managers who have, you know, spoken fairly um, explicitly about you know their plans, we just don't know how these pitchers are going to be used. And the other the other part of this is that these typically aren't the best pitchers, right? You're, the best pitchers on your staff are going to be your, your front of the rotation starters or your late inning relievers. So you're dealing with pitchers that, um, whose skills are typically um, you know, marginal to middling and whose usage is unpredictable. So I just think trying to, trying to target these types of players, um, I think, is, is not gonna necessarily give you the return that that you hope it will i think there may be a a few players that that you you know you can look at and say okay this this pitcher like a i don't know freddie peralta or a jonathan loaziga um pitchers who have skills um but their skills are really suited to maybe working one time through the lineup so maybe in in a two to three inning stretch you know maybe maybe three to four uh, in a more like following type of role, uh, Trevor Richards is another one. But I, I think, you know, for those types of of pitchers, you can really make a list that is probably, you know, fewer than ten, uh, where I'd actually draft them in the end game of of my of my fifteen team draft. Yeah, and and well, and, and that's part of it too. Like, so if if you're in an only league, like clearly this is very different, and I, I've. 
I preach at the altar for, for years in only leagues of, of winning with middle relievers or, you know, with relievers like this, because, you know, if you have a fifth starter on the Orioles or the Tigers or the Royals, you know, the teams have changed over the years, but it's the same concept. You're better off with, with the, the plugger who's going to get you 60 or 70 like quality innings. Uh, in 15 teamers, it's, I, I know it's still deeper, but it, it's still kind of tough because there's, there are enough free agents out there that you still should play the matchups. You know, you know what a lot of this comes down to is people, the theme I've seen this year, I know we've talked about this on previous shows, people are over at, overanalyzing the short season and they're overanalyzing it to death. And I get it. You know, it, it, people were ready. Their people had podcasts to do. People unlike us do this for a living. They got bored. They they kept talking. They kept talking. They kept talking. I don't know how much is really going to change. I, I the first couple of weeks, yes, there's a short term opportunity for this. And you know, if you have, you know, I'm sorry, Samuel. If you have Marcus Stroman, I I have Marcus Stroman in two leagues. I feel your pain. And you're looking for in a 15 team. You're looking for. You know, opportunities for for rate stats and wins. Yeah, you might be better off picking up a you know with someone like No Ramirez or you know I'm just looking at the Angels. You're talking about Trout or you know Cam Pedrosia. If you're like you know what I'm I'm gonna hope that we luck into you know a win here and some quality innings. But it's not a strategy I, I think is workable all season. At some point, you're gonna have to go back to the starters and, and play a 15 teamer the way you do typically do, which is six starters, you know, and then three closers, you know, hopefully, you know, if you have three closers, if not two closers and a really high quality non-closer. And, and yeah, that I, I think what, what you're going to be need to do more this year is stream those starters in a 15 team mix and a 12 team mix even more and be more aggressive. I, I don't like the idea of, of going with too many relievers. I, I feel like that's, you're eventually exposed with that, that path in my, my opinion. Especially if you're just doing it for the wins, because, you know, you're chasing this thing that is um, pretty elusive to begin with, and then you're risking uh, ratios um, to do it, you know, outside of a few elite options. I mean, I, one thing I was thinking of is I, I, I think I agree that, you know, you want to still invest in in the aces or in the, the top, um, you know, the top couple of tiers of, of starters. But at least for the start of the season, I feel like we're going to be able to maybe, you know, subtract, I would say about an inning per start, maybe to begin with from, you know, sort of the average start from a, um, you know, a SP one, two or three for a team um, so that, you know, starters who are going seven are probably going to start off going six starters who are going six are going to probably start off going five. But then you get to the point where you drop below that five inning threshold and then you're, you know, those starters are going to be the ones who are not going to, um, you know, accrue wins because they're not making it through, through five innings. So I think it does push up the value of, you know, the, and we've, we've talked about this, you know, both on and off the podcast that it really does push up the value of, you know, your top 30 to 40 starters, right? Yeah, that, that's, I'd say maybe 30, but yeah, it's, there is going to be a bit of a hierarchy that because those bad starters are only going like, you know, three, four, five innings, or, you know, I shouldn't say they're all bad. Some of them won't be stretched out. 
But I think for the bad starters, what you're going to see even more. So there's a couple of things you're, with the bad starters. You're going to see that even more, and it's just going to create a wider innings gap. But then the second piece is that. So you know, we, the the plan right now is I, I think it's what John like thirty players, thirty player active roster for the first two weeks, then twenty eight for the next two, and then twenty six. Is that correct? Yeah. That's how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I've noticed in looking at all the, the projection, you know, projected rosters and, you know, some I predicted, it would be nice. And, you know, as somebody who actually did like the old NL strategy, it would be nice to see like 15 hitters or 16 hitters and 14 pitchers or 15 and 15. But of course, that's not what's happening. What's happening is you're seeing 16 or 17 pitchers, you know, and, yeah. and 13 or 14 hitters. So there are going to be a lot of pitchers and, you know, it, it, it's a usual thing in baseball. If you've got, you know, Justin Verlander, if you've got, you know, Max Scherzer, if you've got Jacob Crom, I don't need to rattle off all the aces. You know, even, even the next tier, yes, you're going to pitch those pitchers five, six, seven innings, whatever. But if you have below that line of, of those top 30 pitchers, why would you send, you know, your fourth or fifth starter out there you know, like yeah, unless you're the Nationals and your fourth star is pretty good, but why would you send that starter out there to face the lineup a third time, and in some cases maybe even a second time, when you have all these relievers, you know, and all these arms, and you know, if you manage it well, you you can really cycle. You don't have to even burn them out. Like you can, you know, with with a pen that has like twelve, you know, twelve pitchers at, at the beginning, you could theoretically have, you know. Four, four or five relievers go one day and four or five separate relievers go the next day and still have two relievers you haven't even used. So I'm not saying it will always play out that way, but, and this to go all the way back to the thing about bulk relievers, John, this is part of the problem too, is that you might be targeting a bulk reliever, but with so many relievers and with, with the desire to keep these arms fresh, you might not be getting that four or five inning week from a reliever that you're hoping for. And again, this again goes back right. to the elite thing. There might be, there are going to be a handful of relievers that are going to be treated that way because they're elite and because the matters like, well, you know, I, I'm, you know, assuming Ryan Presley's healthy. I, I, I know, you know, I've got this great bullpen you know, on the Astros, you know, Dusty's dusting on his bullpen. Like, I know I've got this great bullpen, but man, he, Ryan Presley's the guy. Ryan Presley's the guy I need to bring out there. I, I don't want to bring out Cy Snee or Blake Taylor or Joe Biagini. I'm not going to rattle off all the Astros relievers, like I said. But that's the idea behind that. But if you don't have a reliever like that, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily make sense. So, yeah, I, I, the play for me is to still try to get the best pitchers and, and don't, don't overthink this. I, you know, if there's one key to me for this season is don't, start overthinking things like don't don't get into your head you know don't don't look at things like well you know that abraham toro might wind up playing more because of xyz like no it's it's not going to happen like don't don't do that to yourself <laughs> i mean i guess the the one place i would be a little more mindful though is uh in leagues with a weekly lineup just making sure that I wasn't getting stuck with too many platoon guys or, you know, I want very few platoon guys um, in, in those, in those formats. Like I want players that are going to play every day and I might, you know, I might knock up a knock up. <laughs> That's not the euphemism I meant. Um, I might uh, raise in my rankings players who are a little more boring, um, but are likely going to play every day 
Um, you know, we talked about, I think, like Jock Peterson last week. I think Yancey brought Jock Peterson up. But, you know, players like that who are going to get stuck, you know, in, in a week where um, or if it's an NFBC league in the, the half week uh, where they might, you know, face a couple of their team might be facing a couple of lefties. And then, you know, you're, you're really stuck if you don't have any other options. So I would just be mindful of that. I wouldn't avoid those players entirely, but just know your your league settings and you know, what you need to do um, with your bench spots to make sure that you don't get stuck. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, that, that, that's something to me in general, like I, so, you know, when labor and tout, I, I, I kind of got, and my home leagues like this too, I kind of got spoiled by the unlimited um, IL and the idea mm-hmm. that if, you know, somebody's hurt, you just stick them on the IL and, and in only leagues, it doesn't matter that much. Cause you know, really I get why, like, you know, in a 12 team mix, you don't want an unlimited IL. It's, it's bad. People can just use that to stash players and, and really like, you know, it, quite honestly, win your league in an AL or an only, it doesn't matter, but some of the TGFBI is kind of challenging is, you know, you, you don't have that. So you really have to, to use those reserve slots wisely. I know it's seven reserve slots. It's, it's not that shallow, but in a 15 team league, it matters because you, you can't, you know, it's not endless. Like you have to kind of think about, you know, how you're using it. So yeah, there's, there's something to that. Um, and again, it depends on the player. Like I, I know, I think it was last year, you know, I had Jock Peterson and TGFBI and pretty much I just ran him out there. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like I, I, I can't get too, you know, I can't get too cute or I can't be like, well, you know, he's only facing, you know, X number of, you know, or he's facing all these lefties this week or he's facing two lefties. Should I sit him? He was just so good it didn't matter, but it certainly does matter with players on the margin. So, by the way, something really interesting I noticed, and I don't know if you, you've caught any situations like this, John, you know, speaking of platoons. So the AL East has a lot of projected left-handed starters. Um, mm. <laughs> so I, I believe it's it's 13, but one of those is, is Toronto, and he could get bumped or should get bumped when Nate Pearson arrives. So it's really mm-hmm. 12. Now, now, granted, some of these are Baltimore, and I can't believe I'm saying it's Boston starters who who really aren't that good. So it almost yeah. doesn't matter if they're lefty or righty. But you know, to to your point, it, it does kind of matter with with platoon situations. You know, and and you know, you you look at a a player like you know Travis Shaw, you know Rowdy Tellers, you know, and granted, you know Tellers in particular, I think is only material. But Shaw, who, who's someone who's kind of periphery in a 15 team mix. You know, that, that kind of matters. You know, another player I was looking at, um, you know, somebody I, I think you um, had had picked up on on reserve in, in our, our BP league. You know, it was, I, I saw he was option, but Nate, Nate Lowe or, yeah, he, he was, he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. There's some situations where this, you know, G-Man Choi. Um, well, the Rays are full of these guys. Tutugo is another one. Yeah, Tutugo, um, he was Brandon, the one I was going to mention. Yeah, Lau, Kiermaier. Although Kiermaier, you know, just because of his defense, he, he should defense, play yeah. every day. And he's already, like, kind of fringy and anything, but only, I hate to say, as much as I, I like the guy. But, yeah, to, to your point, like, that, that's something I, I definitely was started scouring, and I started with the East. But it's where the imbalance it, – It's I think the we, I agree with you. It's not just the weekly lineups, though. It's where the imbalance schedule really does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Be- because usually over the course of a full season, you look at these things, but you're like, yeah, I don't want to overanalyze this. You know, the the Dodgers, to use the Jock Peterson example, they're going to play the Rockies, but then later this week they're playing the Cubs, you know, so like who cares? But 
yeah, we, we do have a nice narrow template to kind of look at some of these trends and, and be like, well, this is where this matters. Like, I, I think we, we were talking about the Rangers new park, the, 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 the West surprisingly, and I don't know if it was you, John or Sammy who brought this up, but the West surprise has a lot of pitchers parks. Yeah. There's Colorado, of course. And, and yeah. you know, Dodgers, Dodgers stadium, even though it has a, a pitchers park rep, it, it's not pitchers park. It's in, in particular that it's a, homer friendly park but yeah there's a lot of parks in in the west that play you know play for pitching and you know if texas is going to be a pitcher's park and sammy how of your opinions on that have have changed i know you've seen more there than since we talked last but um that definitely changes the value proposition for for a few players in my opinion i mean especially rangers but you know just just across the board on the uh, Globe Life Field situation, I'll have another look on Sunday so I can report back at some point uh, as we get into the season. I I don't know if it's going to be a pitcher's park, but I don't think it's going to be a hitter's park. And that's probably going to be a bit of an issue, though. Don't ask the Rockies about that last night when they were taking Kyle Gibson for everything he had. And uh, Todd Frazier had a cheap homer tonight. So but it was a, it was to the short porch and right. It, it really seems like some of the balls that are getting real high are dying as opposed to back at the old park when it was an open air surface, they would get caught up in kind of the pseudo jet stream and fly a little bit. So I think it's definitely, if you're, if you're looking to project players in the ALS that are going to come to Texas or just Texas players in general, I'd say take about like 10% off the hitters just as a safe mm-hmm. regard. And it may not be end up being anything, but I would say whatever you think they're going to do, Without the park factor, take about ten percent off, and that's probably maybe five, maybe somewhere between five and ten percent of their production. Uh, well, I would, would probably say that would make sense because I think I think the old Globe Life. Wait, which is the old one, Park or Field? Park. Okay, Globe Life Park played at, at like around a one one ten park factor, and if this one yes. plays neutral, that's that's right right in line with what you're saying. It's probably the, the ninety five other... to one hundred park factor, yeah. That would be my guess. Um, the other thing about the Western parks playing the season in um, August and September is, and this is this is not something that I have studied. Well, I've studied a little bit. I'm just you know looking over the past few seasons. I was doing some stuff with park factors, but um, the the parks that are in hot places have have roofs, right? So Texas, Houston, Arizona, all have have yes. roofs. So and Arizona's changed now with the, the humidor. Colorado, that's its own thing. But then all the other parks are either are mostly open air and they're close to the water. And, you know, there's cooler, denser air uh, year round. I mean, late summer is, is you know, probably the warmest, uh, you know, like September, October or August, September, October, usually the, the uh, seasons with with or the the time of year with the least. Um, marine layer and fog and stuff but i just think that you know those parks play consistently um in favor of pitchers pretty much all season long whereas a lot of the parks like in the northeast and the the upper midwest they start off you know cold and maybe benefiting pitchers but as the summer heats up a lot of those places like minnesota washington you know places you don't necessarily think of like as the um you know top of the ranking hit hitters parks, they end up being very hitter friendly late in the summer. So that's just another thing to think about when you're drafting players from the 
the NL or AL West. Yeah, and you know, to to the other side of that point, you you are right about you know having lived in the East all my life. You're right about the weather, and additionally, to go back to the AL East, like I I, I was surprised you know looking at the East, like the the Orioles, the Red Sox, and and the Blue Jays, their their pitching staffs are are weak. Like there's really like I like I like I like Ryu, and. I've also got to say, you know, we, we don't know as we're talking to you right now what the heck is going to happen with the Blue Jays and, and where they're going to play. That's a whole other, um, you know, problem <laughs> that baseball has right now. But I, moving young, young Jim Ryu out of Toronto for half his games should help him. Um, it, it's a shame they're not playing in Pittsburgh because, you know, as Tristan Cockroft mentioned I, on Monday on ESPN's podcast, uh, Fantasy Focus, uh, righty, righty power in Toronto. That that's that's a big plus there. So a move almost any, move to PNC really would have helped for you. Uh, I just still think it's going to be helped elsewhere. But yeah, I, I I'm kind of looking at. There's a real power opportunity for AL Eastern hitters, just for that reason. Like there there's some bad pitching staffs there, and you know, it's a thing about the AL and 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 compared to the NL. I, I'm still you know I shouldn't be surprised because it's been a few years now, but. There's so many thin teams in the American League. And, you know, John, it's born out of the NFBC rankings. Like, so I, I think I, I mentioned this to you pre-show. The last league I'm doing is my home league, and, and we're, doing an, we're doing a draft this year instead of an auction, and, and it's just a one and done because of the weird situation. So I was looking at the NFBC list as a template to kind of rank for a draft since we usually do an auction. There's so many NL players at the top compared to AL players, like in, in the top, mm-hmm. like, 20 or 30. It, it's stunning, actually, how the best players are in the NL and it, it's not particularly close. Well, yeah. And then if you're bumping down trout a few spots, um, you know, due to a possible absence, then it really does. I mean, at the very top in the first, I mean, he's still in the first round, but that top half of the first round is, you know, it's pretty much Cole is the only one who's, who's sneaking in from the AL. So um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And um yeah, and I I play in NL only. You play in AL only, and uh, um, you know the NL only is it's still a relatively fertile place. You know, it's it's not even in a twelve team NL only league. You can, you know, you can put together a decent a decent roster. Well, who are um, the now. you know like so? I hate to use this term, but like the the crap teams in the NL are like the Pirates, the Giants. Well, sorry, the Pirates, sorry, the no. Giants, the the Marlins. Well, the Marlins. I mean, you know, although even the Marlins for fantasy have you know some interesting players, and particularly VR, you know who you know I get it, but in fantasy in real life, the AL though you you just look, yeah, it, it's just you know Baltimore, Detroit. I know the White Sox are better, so you can cross them off. You know the Royals, you know the Mariners now I think are are kind of on the periphery of that if they're not there already. So yeah, it, it's. You know, a, a lot of it to me too is the pitching. Like I look at the NL, I look at pitching with yeah. the, even the Giants, and you know, I, I get it; they're not good. But I, I look at that staff, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I see some, you know, potential here. I, you know, Gaussman's interesting at least. I, I'm not even a big Gaussman fan, but he's he's interesting. You know, I, you look at some of these American League teams and and the pitching. It's like, oh my goodness! Like it, it's it's a shit show. Like but no, on some of these no. teams, there's, there's just no, like the Orioles are an example. It's like, I, I get it. Like John means is a nice story last year and he's useful in deep leagues, but it's, it's bad. Like it, it's well, just it, a lot of players that I don't want. 
in most, you know, on most teams means would be a, a four or five starter at best. Um, yeah. and, and he's, he's fine. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the big difference. I mean, I think there's, there's a level, there's a qualitative level of difference between like the Orioles and the Tigers and even like the Marlins and the Giants. I mean, you mentioned the Giants have some interesting pitchers. I mean, the Marlins are full of interesting pitchers. I mean, they're not, they're not the most consistent or the most, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to lead this team to to glory, but there's, you know, you look at the rotation, Alcantara, Smith, Urania, Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, and they've got, you know, Yamamoto that they demoted. They've got uh, Sixto Sanchez waiting in the wings. Like those are all interesting pitchers. Like they're, I guess I'm thinking mainly from a fantasy fantasy perspective, but you look at the back end of the of the Orioles or the Tigers, and I I want nothing to do with 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 those guys. So, yeah, um, we're talking about league wide stuff. Maybe we should go to our uh, our predictions, which are going to go up on. Yeah, the, I was uh, about to do that. I was about to do that too, and you know, I was going to ask before we did that. Do we have anything else on this as far as like league wide trends, like things you're looking at, things you've done differently? Um, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, outside of my home league in the BP league, I, 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 I didn't add any new leagues. It was kind of enough to just keep up with the leagues that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. The only league I added, I think was the, the BP one that we, we are doing. And then my home league is actually taking the year off. We're just, it's, it's a redraft, but there's not, not really enough interest to do a, um, you know, a, a slow draft or a getting everybody together for a, an online draft. The whole point of that league is the the live auction anyway. So I think everyone is just like, yeah, we'll, we'll wait till next year. And uh, yeah. And then I was, as I was telling you guys, pre-show I'm, I'm drafting, or I just finished drafting a team in like a friends, you know, league that has been around for like, 15 years that I just, you know, mainly do to keep in touch with, with old friends that I, that I don't see. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, otherwise it's, it's kind of status quo. So, yeah. So I, I have to find like, this is how invested I am in our, our staff predictions. So usually like when, when we do these, I, I put all this um, research into it and I actually, it's funny. I see there's a mistake in the way I sorted it, which is going to be great. And I'm going to yell that by people where I live. Um, so, uh, usually I put all this thought to it and I, I kind of have this way that I figure it out. Like th- this year I, I didn't quite do eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I mean, there's some logic to it, but I, I didn't give it nearly as much thought. By the way, the thing I accidentally did is I have the Phillies in last place. I know if you're listening, I do not think they're going to finish behind the Marlins. Um, I meant to put them fourth. Um, but yeah, so if you want to yell at me for my mistake, because it's, it's too late, this has gone to editing. That's I think you gotta. Yeah. I think you should lean into it. Like, just be the be the Marlins guy. Be yeah, be Phil, Phillies contrarian, Marlins Marlins man. Nobody's Marlins. No, yeah, man, I should right? I, I should definitely be like anti Phillies guy in Philadelphia. Although you, you know, you, g- given how close we are to football, it, really nobody cares here about the Phillies. That yeah, so it's a low heat. Like you do it for a few weeks, get a little heat, and then everyone's gonna go complain about the Eagles anyway. So you're good. Like you can do this. We're gonna Gonna, we're gonna chip in and get you a um a, an orange, you know the the previous Marlins uniform. We'll get you one of those orange jerseys. Ooh, what? And, oh, I, I thought you were. I'm, I thought oh, you were making a gritty. Right I thought you were. I thought you were making a gritty reference. No, no, not a gritty reference. A Marlins man reference. And what we're gonna do is get get a photo of you in that and 
blow it up to poster size. And we're going to buy a seat in Citizens Bank Park and make sure you're sitting right behind home plate. So wow. you'll be Mike the Marlins man. At that's every a big. In, that's home. a big investment. Yeah, I want to be. I want to be associated with Marlins man too. This is this is all really <laughs> going yeah. well because of this this stupid <laughs> mistake I made. I'm I'm looking at everything else by the way. Everything else looks correct. Uh, at least I I think it does. So, um, John, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go by division? Do you just want to rattle off like who we picked? Uh, I mean, Samuel, Samuel, you want to you want to MC this? I have no. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so let's do it this way. We'll uh, we'll start with we'll do the, we'll do each league first. So we'll do the divisions, and then we can do our individual awards. And if anything super uh, pokes out to us, we can break it down. So we'll just go with division by division. List off your teams one to five, and then if anything catches the eye, call it out. So let's we'll go east to west here. Uh, Mike, your one your AL East, please and thank you. Uh, Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Orioles. John. I'm the exact same. I am Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays. Huh. Is it because of the the pitching that you don't like the Blue Jays? Uh, It's that and the fact that I don't know where they're going to play yet. And just the the mental strain of like, the the reality is that they may have to be the road team, even though they'll be the home team for 60 games. And I don't think that's good for any team. And I just, the pitching scares me. They've got such young talent in the lineup. And like, I think it's going to be like a 29 and 31, 30 and 30 thing for them in the world. I don't think it's going to be a good bottom of the ALEs, but I, the the nomadic status of the Blue Jays scares me very much. Uh, but I've also, uh, well, we can do playoffs in a minute. Uh, AL Central. Uh, John, you can start. All right. I'm going um, Indians, Twins, White Sox, Royals, Tigers. I, I have the same thing, so we're 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 really offering our, our listeners some some differences here. We're, we've got have, the high, the hive mind going. Yeah. I have almost the same thing, but I have the Twins, Indians, and then White Sox, Royals, Tigers. So I, I that, sub the top two teams. That was that was the one I probably grapple with the more than any of them. Like I, I sat there for a while and and thought about that, and I I think the a healthy Clevenger in a short season was was the difference maker to me. That's more than fair. I think it could go either way. I could see two playoff teams coming out. Of course, who knows how many playoff teams there will be, so there could be more. It's hard to tell. It's Thanks, Major League Baseball. Uh, Mike, why don't you start the AL West for us? Um, Astros, Athletics, Angels, Rangers, Mariners. John? Uh, This is where we part company. I went A's, Astros, Rangers, Angels, Mariners. Oh, this is gonna get all sort. This is gonna get all sorts of weird. Uh, mine is Rangers, Astros, A's, Homer. Angels, Mariners. Wow, what a homer you are! I mean, you went, you went like homer. Well, I mean, the Astros are a, a good. You team, know what? I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this. I went, I, I did homer for my team too. So you know. No, you did. You uh, put them last. All right. I'm not. So- a, I'm not a Phillies fan, but we're, we're jumping ahead. Yeah, wild, card, the- wild card teams. Uh, my wild cards were the Astros and the Rays. So were mine. Um, I've got the A's and the Twins. Okay. All right. Uh, individual awards. Uh, MVP. John, let's go ahead. All right. Um, so with these, I, I kind of did the eeny meeny miny mo. Like I didn't. I did not think about it a lot. Although there is. There's. There are reasons. Um, 
but do you want all, all three of my choices? Or yes, just, I think uh, we'll go around the we'll go around the horn with that too. Okay, uh, so I went. Uh, Jose Ramirez is my MVP. Number two is Matt Chapman, and number three is Alex Bregman. Okay, <laughs> Mike. We have this. We have two of the three same names in a different order. I've got Bregman, uh, Francisco Lindor, and Ramirez. I have one name to share. Uh, I went to continue my streak. Joey Gallo, Shohei Otani, and Alex Bregman. Huh, so Bregman is the common denominator. Well, given that I have Gallo in tout, I I hope you're right. I that would be fun and exciting. This is very. No, I was just going to say, my thinking on Ramirez is just that, you know, thinking about the 60-game stretch, like, he has, as a historically streaky player, like, he's put together a couple, maybe a few 60-game stretches where he is just out of sight. And, you know, on the off chance that he could do one of those for 60 games. And he was, you know, and he was, after a really poor start last year, like, he was um, lights out. So... Uh, that that's one, and I, I didn't want to pick an obvious one too. So I thought I felt like uh, that was a a decent shout. Uh, gentlemen, I have some breaking news here. I'd like to bring to the table. This is obviously recording on a Wednesday, so they'll hear this tomorrow. But Leody Tavares has made the opening day roster for the Texas Rangers. My long lost odyssey has come into port. Is he going to start? No, he's probably going to sit behind Danny Santana. But, be like a defensive replacement slash. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta wonder how long that's gonna last. You know, I, I really uh, probably for two weeks until they cut to twenty eight. I really. Well, you think they're gonna send him down? Uh, I don't know how they're gonna handle that, but like or maybe, maybe Danny Santana has two weeks to prove that he's. Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, still, also, very still possible. A player. Yeah. And I, I now I wish I had picked up Leody and Tout as like a zero dollar throw just to stash because as you know I my my steals there are, are weak. Yeah, well, uh I've been bang- ever since the end of last year I was banging the drum for Leody Tavares opening day. Uh I guess that's that's not quite how I intended it to happen, but uh that is indeed has happened now. Uh so I guess I have to write tonight now that I know that. Uh where were we? <laughs> I got distracted by my... We were were talking about whether Cy Young in the American League. Oh, yeah, Cy Young. Uh, Mike, you can go ahead and start that. Actually, I'm going to defer to John because I I dropped off the page I was on. Oh, Lord. Hey, John. John, go (laughs) ahead. I'm going um, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. Ooh, (laughs) okay. Uh, I have Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber. I've got Clevenger, Cole, and Charlie Morton. This is this is the only. I, I swear to we gotta I swear make sure Yancy knows about this. I swear to God, we didn't collaborate on this. Well, I, you know, we, I, John and I have always liked Charlie Morton, so I, I mean, it's not a big. It, it didn't take a lot to convince me that a short season will will help him. And honestly, if I didn't do that, like stupid no starter strategy in Tout Wars. I, I saw the price that Jason Collette got Morton for, and I was kind of like almost abandoned the strategy at that point. I'm like, oh, that, that's a good price. Yeah. W- w- do you remember what he paid for Morton? It's 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cheap think, for an ace. And an ale only. I, I, I think I had him at 27 on my, like, you know, if I had played, played it straight without the strategy. And that, that's why I was like, ooh, that's, that's a good price. 
Yeah, also, y'all brought me in. I wasn't really in the, the cult of Charlie, but listening to y'all for about six weeks talk about Charlie Morton brought me in. Like, you, you indoctrinated me into the Church of Charlie. So I'm with it. I'm with it. Also, he's really freaking good. Uh, that's know, that's another part is. of it. Uh, speaking of really good, Rookie of the Year. Uh, Mike, do you have your page and can talk us through this, or did you lose it again? Yeah, no, I I, I had it before. It just, I, I'd gone off. So, uh, Luis Robert, Joe Adele, Nick Madrigal. Uh, okay, I went Luis Robert, um, Jesus Luzardo, uh, Yoshi Tsutsugo. God, God Almighty! Looks, were y'all cheating off my paper? Joe Adele, Luis Robert, Jesus Luzardo. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you had a, you had a, Adele. There usually aren't that many rookies. Like that. That's part of it. I think in this shortened season, there's even fewer to really consider. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the Yale rookie race is kind of sh- like there's options, but like those are your three. Like those are really the options you have if you're trying to play chalk. There's some there's some like wild Ooh. card stuff out there, but like if you're like, hey, who are the three that are probably going to get it? One of those three is probably going to get it unless catastrophe just, sets in. I just don't trust that Adele is gonna is gonna play as much as we want him to play. Like they seem the Angels seem bound and determined to to slow cook him uh and maybe have him make his debut when he's about 25 i don't know well the other thing too is if rendon's injury is worse and if things go wrong for the angels early i could just see no him being like yeah, yeah like we're, we're not bothering and you know it's not like he is you know you, you joke about being 25 but it's not like he's like 23 or 24 you know how, how old right. is he right. is he 21 21 yeah yeah he's he's got to check this yeah, so yeah, he's, he's 21 years old. He'll be, you know, 20, 22 April. So yeah, they, they've. I'd love to see him up, and I, I don't think they should hold him down. But you know, it, it, this also isn't the thing about Joe Dell. And, and again, I don't want to turn into like you know, be being negative about Joe Dell. But when he got promoted, you know, last year to to Triple A, and it was only 130 plate appearances. The power wasn't there. Yeah, you know, the numbers were eh, like it, it's it's not necessarily the the slam dunk that it would be for another prospect. Right. So yeah, on the other hand, you know Brian Goodwin is is the guy blocking him. So really, there's no reason he shouldn't be up for that reason. No, that's true. But but to your point, I mean he he was coming back from an injury last year, but I think they still the Angels seem to want to see him succeed at AAA and. Obviously, that that's not going to happen this year, but I but I might give them reason to just you know not um, obviously he's not going to be starting uh, you know this weekend, but um, I wonder if they'll give it that that service time depressing week and then you know see what see how they feel about their their lineup then and and then make a move. So yeah, that's just why I don't I'm not as confident about Adele for rookie of the year. That's fair. And it's the angels who really knows what's going to happen. Who knows right. what anything's going to happen. It's 60 games in the middle of freaking July. Like who knows all of this could just fall in front of us like Rome at any given time. Like we have one team that doesn't even know where they're going to play their games yet. It's the night before, as we record the night before opening day, like, mean, this we, is, it's, we dispense with the angst at the beginning of the podcast. It's now. not angst. It's baseball. legitimate. It's yeah, I was going to, 
Yeah, I was going to say, Samuel, I mean, we, we could even dive into the there, there's going to be, you know, federal authorities or, or troops or whatever in in U.S. cities. But, yeah, we, we decide not to go there and just talk well, about they're not going to be playing baseball. I don't think unless Toronto. Needs no, to, they're not. Uh, my point is, there's going are they to be, be on the taxi squad. No, my point is, there's going to be enough disruption in some cities where they're playing baseball where, you know, yes, if we're going to talk about the angst, we, we could really go there, but we, we decide not to. Okay, three gallons, five gallons. Anyway, NL East, uh, Mike, you've already screwed it up a little bit. What's the rest of your NL East prediction? Well, I, I have listed Mets, Nationals, uh, Braves, Marlins, Phillies. It should be Phillies, Marlins. So that that's that's the one mistake it looks like I made here. John? Yeah, I'm going Nationals, Mets, Braves, Phillies, Marlins. Ooh, okay. Well, now I feel kind of dumb. Braves, Nationals, Phillies, Marlins, Mets. <laughs> okay, so you actually did pick somebody behind the Marlins for for real. Yeah, no, I I legitimately I look. I don't know what the Mets problem is. Maybe you can tell me, Mike, because you're a Mets fan. Is it just the owners? It have they placed some sort of curse on this squad? that I just think they're going to to fail in some way. But I like the Marlins. They're intriguing. Maybe the Phillies are going to be worse than I think. But I think really this is a, it's a two-team race, and I just don't think without Syndergaard and with whatever just ancient curse has been set upon uh, New Shea, it's just it's not going to work. I don't, I don't know. I just I got a feeling it's not going to work. I mean, it's certainly possible. You know, it, it's I, I I do think the Marlins are the, the clear bottom feeder, but you know, one through four, you could jumble almost all those teams and and not be wrong. Like they they all, and really with the Mets and the Phillies in particular, like they're they're, they're two of those four teams. They're the two where I could see lots of stuff going wrong, where all of a sudden, like they you know they they win twenty two games or whatever, and and they stink. Yeah, I think it's possible. Like if there's any team. Like if you look at that division, you go, what team could implode, and it wouldn't surprise you. I think we're all probably putting money on the Mets because we expect the Marlins and Phillies to not be great. Yeah, you know the the one thing. Phillies. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll say about the Mets is is their their projected lineup looks really good, and I, yeah, I know you need pitching to win, and and that, that, that to your point, you know, after Degrom, there, there's especially with Stroman hurt right now, there's there's a lot of questions. You know, if Steven Matz is your number two and you've got Porcello and, and Waka and, you know, David Peterson until Stroman's healthy. Yeah, that that's that's rough. Um, But, yeah, I I I mean, I can see it. it it's it's not difficult. You know, one thing I was point out about the Mets, it's kind of funny is that I, I the, the Mets, because of their reputation, and because of their their God awful management of that team they're always better than people think like they're, they're a team that like three of the last five years they've had winning records. You know, they went to the world series five years ago. It's, it's such a weird like dichotomy that surrounds them. Like, like I'll, I'm willing to bet if you ask someone on the street, like how many games did the Mets win last year, they probably would guess between 70 and 75 and they won 86 like, games. Like, like it, it's a weird yeah. thing with them. It is. So should we do the central? We should do the central. John, lead us off in the central. Why don't you? Okay. My central goes Cubs, Reds, Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates. Whoa. Okay. Definitely going to need to talk about that. Mike? 
Yeah, I went a little different here. I I, I put one shifted one team on John's order, but it's the same. So Reds, Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates. Okay. Uh Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, Pirates. What the hell? Why why the Reds are so high? Uh yeah, I will take arguments oh from either the person that went first or second. Go ahead. Whoever wants well, it. They have a great lineup and their pitching is a hell of a lot better. I don't know. They Yeah, I also I, I also think that this is another division similar to the East where outside of the team at the bottom you can make a case for for any of the non-pirates teams to finish first or fourth. Like I, I feel like this is a really even a 162 game season, that's the way Picota saw it. And a 60 game season there's even more variance and yeah, I I I finally, after years of telling people they were too, you know, being too high on Luis Castillo, I feel like this is his year. Sonny Gray is really good. Uh, the, the bullpen has depth. Oh boy, I, I really hope Nate Jones's comeback sticks. I, I love that guy as an aside. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's it. It just looks like a solid. It just looks like a solid team to me. But but again, I I see cases here for almost everybody. Although I I do. I gotta say, like I'm, I'm worried of the Cubs. Like, if there's a team in that top four, you're, you were talking about the Mets, Samuel. If there's a team in that top four where I could see the wheels coming off, it, it's the Cubs. Like, especially with that pitching staff, like it, it's not difficult to see everything going south. With you know, they've already lost Quintana for I don't know how long he's going to be out, but yeah, you got Henderson, Darvish at the top. That that's that's great. I know Darvish has looked great in you know summer camp. But then you've got Tyler Chatwood, John Lester, who really did not look good last year, and Alec Mills. That that yeah, that could that ideal. could go bad. That could go bad in a hurry. See, I I was thinking um, the Cardinals would be the risky team just because that lineup is. I mean, there's a lot of age in the, in that lineup, and uh, I I could see. I mean, of course, Cardinals Devil Magic and all that, but but I could see them. Um, and I agree with you like these, I, I would expect that these four teams, uh, the top four teams in the central are bunched within like, you know, five or six games of each other. Um, but I could see the Cardinals just, you know, struggling a little bit if they, you know, if, if some of their older players, um, or injury prone players, um, have to, have to sit out. Yeah. Yeah, go. I mean, Goldschmidt says his elbow is healthy and that the break helped him. I mean, we'll we'll see. He's kind of he's kind of been on a bit of a decline. And you know, Yadi Molina is who he is. And I, I know we've been saying this for God knows how long. It, it just feels like one of these years it, it, he's just going to completely fall off the cliff. Yeah. Um. You know, I I don't know. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. Um. I I, I you know he did start missing some playing time last year. You know, his games. You know, drop to 113. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It, it's real, and then the Brewers are the Brewers are, are the team I feel like is most helped by the DH. But then again, the health reports about Ryan Braun were just so nebulous. Mm. This, this and again, he's another one. He's you know he's going to be 37, or he, that's what he's approaching. You know, you've got Justin Smoke who's older. You've got Lorenzo Kane who's older. You've got Eric Sogard who, believe it or not, is 34. Yeah, it, it's. <laughs> It's a weird division. Like there, there's all. I, I guess when you ask Samuel why the Reds, it's not so much that I love the Reds. It's I look at everybody else and I'm kind of like, yeah, I. It just looks like a. It kind of looks like a scrum, and it also looks like a division where, you know, maybe 32 wins takes it. Like maybe somebody sneaks in yeah. with 32 or 33 wins. 
I, I should yeah, say the about other, the Reds. I really love Akiyama. I I think he's going to be have a big. Uh, year. This is not the last. This is not the last that Akiyama will come up. Uh oh. Um. Yeah. No. Also, just last point on the Brewers. Like I I feel like they could be a team that you know pitching wise. You know, on paper, their rotation is not great, but I think the way that they are going to approach this season, you know, I like them to um, maximize the talent they have. You know, they already have a lot of experience in in using, you know, pitchers unconventionally. Um, you know, they've already, we know what Hayter does. They've already talked about how they're going to use Freddie Peralta and uh, how they were going to use Corbin Burns uh, until he got pushed into a starting role. But I think that, you know, where we might look at the, the Brewers pitching as a weakness, I think it, it's it's less so in the, in the 60-game season. Yeah, we, we saw that two years ago in September when, you know, they, right, they right. you know, in that sprint. And this season, that's the interesting thing about this season it, is that you can treat probably the second half or at least the last third as that sprint. And the the teams that get to the playoffs are the teams that manage that the best. And, and you know, the the expanded pitching staffs give teams an opportunity to do that right out of the gate and to rest pitchers or or to maximize pitchers they wouldn't have maximized otherwise. I mean, and back to your this is a, a bit of an aside, but back to when we were talking more about the use of pitchers in fantasy, I'm really interested to see which clubs and which managers sort of lean into this and embrace it. I mean, I think we know already that, you know, some managers have talked about it. You know, Gabe Kapler has been really vocal about, you know, basically after the first three starters, it's just going to be, you know, we just want guys who can, who can, a lot of guys who can throw multiple innings. And then whether or not some managers are going to have a harder time. I mean, I know a lot of this is coming from the analytics side and, and, you know, that, it remains to be seen, you know, what, what, it, how much uh, so, power the managers themselves will exert. But if there's a kind of learning curve for some teams who are just sort of stuck in a more traditional model of pitcher use. So, so here's the thing about that, though. And I, I want, I want to, I'm kind of glad you brought up the analytics point because this is where I feel the manager's important. You know, this kind of ties into Kapler. So, Gabe Kapler tried that here in Philadelphia. And part of the problem he had in Philadelphia is he didn't have the buy-in, but also he was inconsistent about it. And, you know, he just kind of kept jumping back and forth between trying pitchers in traditional roles and mixing and matching. Now, some of that was there were injuries, and he, he pretty much had to use Hector Neris as the closer. Like, he just didn't have a choice. Like, he, he was stuck. And it, you know, worked out, but he, he couldn't, like, mix and match in a situation where everybody was injured. But... Some of it really is the buy-in. Like something I always remember, you know, from the pre-analytics days, and I say that as knowing that there's always been data used, you know, even when it wasn't like highly publicized. Joe Torre, when he managed the Yankees, you know, as much as people talk, point to those Yankees teams and go, oh, yeah, you know, Steinbrenner spent all the money and they have the best players. That's true. But what's also true is Joe Torre was was excellent at convincing players who were traded midseason to take a part-time role and accept it. And, you know, he, he managed their egos and he was great with the bullpen too. He kind of did the same thing. Yes. He had Mario Rivera, of course, but like pitchers behind Rivera, which you needed to, you know, get to him. He was just great at managing those pitchers. So I, I think as much as, yes, as much as analytics is key, that's where the manager really matters. And that's where kind of having that buy-in is important. And 
know, it, it's if you've got somebody like, for example, like Joe Madden, who you know, is respected at least in baseball circles and can convince pitchers in you know in Los Angeles of Anaheim, wherever they're calling themselves these days, to do that, that kind of matters. Where if you've got a newer manager or who might not have the buy-in, it, it's going to be tougher. Yeah. That is your breakdown on? of the NL Central. <laughs> that, that was a long yeah, expect. We, yeah, we, we really went off on a tangent, which is something we I never do here on Flag Supply Forever. No, I never. It never happens. I don't think the West will merit nearly as much discussion. Uh, well, since you feel that way, John, what does your NL West look like? Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Padres, Rockies, womp, womp, Giants. Mike? I'm still laughing at the womp womp. Uh, Dodgers, <laughs> Padres, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Giants. I'm glad y'all are getting on the Padres train. I was on it last year, and I'm glad y'all are getting on it a little bit. But you're still not the conductor. Padres, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants. Well, that's the outcome I hope. That's the outcome I hope for. I, I would love to see the Dodgers not win the West. But I am the drunk guy at the casino that keeps betting double zero because he knows it's going to come up eventually, and I'm going to be is, wrong a bunch of times. But damn it, one of those your, times it's going to hit. <laughs> dude, this is your your prospect bias is just is just shining through. Like, well. Yes, the Padres have amazing prospects, but they they're do. still mostly prospects. My my yeah. thing about the Dodgers but they is won't be that, one day. <laughs> that's true. My my thing about the Dodgers is this. Oh, by the way, I didn't see that the Mookie Betts contract is that official now? Yeah, twelve three sixty five. Yeah. Okay. I, I saw it was a twelve year deal. I I, I saw that him. It was, yeah, good for him, I agree. But so so the thing the thing about the Dodgers is this is a team that feels like perfectly suited for this short season. I, I like that. That's, that's what I look at. Like you, you kind of look, and I, I know that, you know, David Price opted out of, of playing this year, but they just look like a team where they, they can run so many different pitchers out there and, and so many combinations and, you know, so many guys in, in multi like Dustin May and Caleb Ferguson to a lesser degree you know, greater all they, they've got so many arms that they can kind of run out there if they need to and, you know, tandem or, or different starters. And it's true to some degree with their lineup. They, they just look like they're going to be too much in this run. Yes. I know it's a small sample and, and things can go wrong. And I, I like the Padres. I picked them second and, you know, something I, I can see there is I can see Manny Machado having a big year in the, the smaller sample. And you know Tommy Pham looks healthy. That that's solid for them. Um, yeah, the Do- it, it's not a knock on the Padres. I like the Padres too. The Dodgers just, just look like too much for me. So and my the Dodgers is, system is ridiculous too. By the way, like their system yes. is maybe not as good as the Padres, but it's not far behind. My my question is, Mike, you had the D backs fourth, and Samuel, you had them third. Third. Yeah. So Mike, I'm curious why you because I had them second. So I'm curious why you're. So You're, you my, think they're going to come up short? My big thing, and this is reflected in my my valuations. I am not as high on Madison Bumgarner and Zach Gallon as as everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I know I've seen some people you know talk about Bumgarner and say, well, you know, the the move out of the the park move isn't going to affect him that that much. This that and the other. I, I feel like switching. You know, particularly he was, as you know, John, he was an institution in in San Francisco. You know, and maybe people didn't love him as a person. You would know that better than I would, but they certainly loved him as a player. And, you know, he 
pretty much put you know gave the team his all you know gave one of the greatest postseason you know relief appearances you know ever but by the way a, a fun troll trivia question i came up with was what giants starter in you know in their 2010 to 2014 run had the the lowest era and it was like in a certain number of innings and the answer is matt kane because you know madison bumgarner's appearance was a relief appearance so you know it, it's it's a fun trick question if you want to fool somebody and, and get somebody mad fun, uh, fun. fun for one one of you yeah it's fun for me yeah <laughs> but but anyway I, I i just don't really see Bumgarner having a, a good year the peripherals were kind of kind of been off for him you know ever since 2016 and you know zach gallon I, I think he'll be fine long term i i just he's another one like i i look at some of the you know, some of what I saw to him last year, the command really wasn't that good when he was in the majors. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't trust the, the two of them and especially gallon as much as some other people do. And, you know, even the lineup, the, the lineup looks okay, but you get past the top of that lineup. You got Christian Walker, who last year is the first year he did it. Cole Calhoun, who is kind of up and down Nick Ahmed, who, whose defense is great, but you know, the offense, uh, Jake Lamb, who hasn't really done anything in two years, and Carson Kelly, who, you know, John, I know how you feel about Carson Kelly, and I think I like him more than you do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just not impressed. I'm not that impressed with Diamondbacks. I, I don't really, okay. they don't excite me as much as they excite you, I guess. What, what do you like about them since, since I rambled about them? Um, I, I think I'm probably higher on both Bumgarner and Gallon. I, I actually, you know, have seen, and I think, uh, our buddy uh, Mikey Ajeto wrote about this um, this past week that Robbie Ray has has um, cleaned up his his motion. He's lost some weight, um, and uh, you know I think it's a, it's a decent staff, and I think the lineup is is solid. I don't think there are a ton of weak spots. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm particularly high on the Diamondbacks. I just think that they are they are a team that's likely to go. 500 or, or just above and and i think that you know that the other teams that division even the padres um have some bigger holes so that's that's really it i, mean, I don't feel like the diamondbacks the padres i guess i would say diamondbacks and the padres i would have very very close to each other yeah i guess in that case you would have more issue with me having the rockies over the diamondbacks probably but that's i don't really want to talk about the Rockies. Are they going to win 94 games this year? That's what their owner said. Well, that would be a, that'd be a neat trick in a 60-game season. <laughs> I'd bet on them losing 94 if I bet on them winning 94. All righty. Uh, MVP. Mike, why don't you start us with National League MVP? Um, so I want Bryce Harper, Kesson Yura, and Mookie Betts. Ooh, okay. I want to do I want to do a fun pick somewhere. Spicy. I love it. Uh John. Uh I went Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Javier Baez. Okay, I I could see the, the me John mind meld is starting to take effect. I had Javi Baez, Cody Bellinger, Juan Soto. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh John, why don't you start us for Cy Young? All right, I kind of went, uh, I kind of went crazy on on Cy Young. So, um, in a manner of speaking, I guess uh, I went Yu Darvish, Sonny Gray, Clayton Kershaw. Wow, 
I don't hate that at all for obvious reasons. Uh, Mike, what do you have? I, I was boring except for the third one. So I went Jacob deGrom, Steven Strasburg, and Chris Paddock. Oh, hell yeah. The, y'all had way more fun with this than I did because I went a lot of chalk. I went Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Mike Soroka. Wow. Soroka, really? Soroka, Soroka surprises me quite a bit. I think Corbin yeah, surprises me the most that you had him. I, admittedly, this is, this is a lot of gut here. Um, Soroka, I don't, I don't think he's obviously going to win having put him third, but a 60 game season for a young guy like that to kind of put it all together. It's like, if this was a 162, there's no way, like, there's just no way. Cause he, he would probably, the, the book would be out on him probably by the time June, July hit and the regression would come. And I'm not sure maybe he could make the adjustments, but we, we won't know, but like in 60 games where he will start probably 10 to 12 times. Sure. Why not? Like, it's not unfeasible. And the same thing with like someone like Corbin. We know Corbin's good. Like, it's not impossible for him to, ch- to put together about 10 to 12 games. Like, that's the weird thing about picking Cy Young, especially for start- knowing that it's going to go to a starter when likely. On average, it's probably going to be about 10 to 12 starts. So you're basically saying, hey, what, what pitcher can put together the best 10 to 12 starts? Well, hell, like half the league can. So like, it's, it's really like this may be the both Cy Young's maybe the most wide open races in all of the league, because look at how many pitchers can have a really good 10 to 12 start stretch in any sort of given season. So it's just picking the ones you like the most. And yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I thinking about it, I can almost see the case or the path for Soroka more than Corbin because Soroka is going to strike out less, uh, strike out fewer batters. Um, which means, you know, the the batted ball profile, I mean, he's got a good batted ball profile. If he gets lucky with that, then you could not only see really low ratios again, but you could see him pitching deeper into games, getting more wins, which, you know, still, I think, you know, I mean, certainly less so. I mean, DeGrom won it uh, with, what, 11 wins uh, in 18? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much the wins matter. Although, yeah, I mean, to your point, like, in a short season, if somebody's got like three wins, it's, it might be tough to give them the the nod, no matter how much, what else they do. But I could, I mean, I I could see a path. I, you know, I, I don't think he's Soroka. Ultimately, I think it's, it's going to be a, you know, someone who fits more the the ACE mold with, with, you know, a lot of strikeouts and more kind of visible dominance, but I could see Soroka putting up numbers that would, you know, that would be like, you like the Hyunjin Ryu, Ryu from, from last year where he, he got quite a bit of, uh, yeah. he got plenty of votes basically because he was giving up, you know, zero runs. So. You know, some, something interesting about Corbin that I didn't realize is, is how much of a workhorse he's been. You know, and I, I say that in the modern parlance because, you know, pitchers don't you know throw 250 innings anymore. So, so there are six major league pitchers in the last two years that have at least 400 innings, you know, during the regular season, you know, DeGrom, Cole, Verlander, Corbin, Aaron, Ola, and Zach Greinke. And mm. Corbin's at the lowest, you know, number there, and he had the highest ERA of those six, albeit at a 3.2. 3.2. But yeah, Cor- Corbin could certainly be that guy who, you know, gets there in a short season and where the variance kind of favors him. Um, you know, something I think that's tough, and I, I say this is somebody who picked two pitchers in the you know, NL East, it might be really tough for the, the East is going to be 
sort of tough this year for pitchers, you know, because of the weather thing you talked about, John, but also, you know, just because the the lineups in the division on both sides, like Mm -hmm. outside of the Orioles and the Marlins, that there's some tough draws there. Yeah, that's a good point. Sam, why don't you you go first for Rookie of the Year? We're going to wrap up with NL Rookie. Yeah, well, I'll wrap up with a rookie. Then we'll reveal World Series winners. Uh, I have Gavin Lux, Spencer Howard, and Dylan Carlson. Hmm. Uh, John, you sounded derisive. Let's go ahead and go with yours. No, no, I've got. Uh, we have we have one in common. Uh, I have Shogo Akiyama, Dylan Carlson, Nico Horner. Okay, Mike. Gavin Lux, Mackenzie Gore, and Spencer Howard. So you guys don't think the Lux? Um, being sent down is 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 going to matter. You think he'll be up within a week? I think and, he'll I think he'll be up in like five or seven days. Yeah, yeah, the like the 29th or so. I think is the uh, exact date. Like whatever this stupid service time is this year. Yeah, I think I think it is the 29th if Pearson's any indication. So so you don't put any credence into the idea that he's that he's just not that he didn't really hit his stride in camp that he needs to work on some things. I mean, do you think this is pure service time stuff? That's yes. My, that's my belief. Having okay. seen quite a bit of him at double a and like having talked to people that saw him in triple a and now watching him in the big leagues, maybe he does like, obviously he's a young player. He's probably not finished in his development, but like, you know, I can't remember if we were talking about it on this podcast or I think I was talking with somebody else about this on Slack the other day in the BP Slack. If you look, certain players, when you just watch them, you can tell they've got mm-hmm. it, whatever it is. And uh, oh, it was, I was talking with the former producer, Jen Mac Ramos, about this. We were talking about Evan White because uh, we've got his debut piece running soon. And like Gavin Lux, if you just watch the guy play and you look at him, and I know this is kind of terrible logic on a certain level, but he's just got it. And you watch him at the plate and the way that he, he moves and you watch him in the field and the way that he moves. And it's for double a, it was so advanced and he was even advanced for triple a. And in the small sample that he got with the Dodgers, he looked really good. He just needs that consistent playing time. Like any young player does to prove his, his stance. And I, I think they're, if they do send him down for whatever reason, and they keep him down for a while, I think it is going to be wasting even small amounts of a very, a very precious commodity of a very good player. Like I, I just have belief in the dude. I mean, I, I agree with everything you say, but that if there's one team that needs to, or that is looking to, you know, just, just run the table on this thing, this, you know, it's, it's the Dodgers and they have the depth to do it. Like they, if, if Lux is, is not on the roster, not in the lineup. I mean, they have they have capable replacements. You know, this is like the the deepest team in, in the majors. So it, it just you know, I would probably agree with you both that he'll be up when the service time um, when the service time deadline is is up. But you know, if if he continue if he struggles at all, they really don't need to. Um, they don't need to run them out there every day. You know, they can, they can roll with, you know, whatever permutation of Chris Taylor and Max Muncie and Edwin Rios and Kike Hernandez. And, you know, they, they, they can get away with that and they can do just fine w- with that approach. You know, what would be wild 
and I don't think they will because I don't know what function this will serve in the middle of the season for any team. I wonder what if you just if you walked out into the trade market and said, "Here's a Gavin Lux." A every team was going to return your call pretty much, but I wonder. I honestly wonder what you could get for him because, like, that's a walk-in starter at either shortstop or second base, and one that has the ceiling of an all-star. I don't think they would because that'd be stupid. But like, just playing a hypothetical game here where they they love what they have at second and short. Obviously, he, I don't know if he can play third or not, but they've got Justin Turner long term there, so it doesn't matter. But like, what could a guy like that reasonably get? And if you're the Dodgers, do you think about it just because if you are going theoretically all in over the next two to three years and you've got a very stacked farm the rest of the way down, do you think of like, hey, maybe we could get some more and refill refill the coffers and get maybe a piece or two that we really need, like a a bullpen Mm. piece maybe? Like, can you go get like two or three really good bullpen pieces and something else and give up this guy that, yes, he is good? I hope you can get a lot more than two or three bullpen pieces. I was gonna say, I think you would have to. You would have to at least get a. You'd have to at least get a really good starter for him. I I, I, like major league ready too, and I think that would be like a at a minimum. Which is why I don't think he'll end up going anywhere because I don't think it's probably weird to think that trades will happen at all. Like, yeah, just because of the weird season. But like, just I don't know. Like I said, I I believe in the guy. I I love the guy. I'm totally biased on this one. But like I just well, I know I know it's what I see and what I see is very very good. So yeah, here, here's the point I want to make about Lux. So I I do think for fantasy, you know, he kind of reminds me of his teammate, you know, Corey Seager, in that you know everybody was really excited about Seager when he came up. Everybody was like, he's a player, he's great, and I get all that. I I think for fantasy, there there might be some limits here to Lux. Like it, it's not hard to envision a situation where he doesn't run all that much. Um, you know, he saw I know he sold 27 bases in a ball in 2017, but that really hasn't been a big part of his game. So I could see him being like a, you know, eight to 10 steel guy in the majors, you know, as opposed to anything more than that. Um, I could also see him not being a big time power hitter, but as a baseball player, and then that's what this, you know, exercise was. I agree with Samuel emphatically. Like, I think he's going to be a dynamite player. And that, that was the piece that I was, I was kind of voting on here. So yeah. And John, you could mm-hmm. be right. I mean, it, it's a short season and, you know, something could happen where the Dodgers are like, you know, we don't like the cut of your jib or, you know, we don't like the way this is going and they could leave him down for X number of games. It's, it's the Joe Adele argument to a lesser degree, you know, Lux is 22. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like it's a big loss for them in a 60 game season. If they're like, you know what, like we're, we're just not going to bring you up. Or we'll bring you up in, in September, you know, for, for the stretch run. But yeah, I, I, I just kind of went with the talent here and I, I certainly could be wrong. And I, I have to admit because, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't put as much thought into this as I should have. Dylan Carlson is, is a bad omission on my part, but I, I should have included him in my top three. All right. Should we do world series champion? Sure. Unless y'all want to get lost in the weeds on Dylan Carlson for about 10 minutes, which I'm <laughs> no, sure the Dil- Dylan Carlson fan base will like that, man. but uh, He's I good. Think we can, yeah, oddly enough, I like him a lot less than most people do because he was terrible when I saw him. But everyone else saw really good Dylan Carlson, so I defer mm. to everyone else. Uh, yeah, World Series winner Mike, who's winning the World Series? So I, I I was a homer and picked the Mets. So you can laugh at me all you want, Samuel. Okay, uh, I won't. Uh, John, who's wins the World Series? 
I was I was an anti Homer and I went with the Dodgers. Uh, me, who wins the World Series? I can't laugh at Mike because I picked the Texas Rangers, so I can't. So we're in the same Homer boat, rowing together on a Analyst. sea of blissful these ignorance. Are, these are objective analysts. This is great. No, not really. It's <laughs> look, look, look. This season, objectivity has no place in this because if 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 this season was objective, we wouldn't be playing it. Well, that's uh, true. I guess. Yeah. No, but it's, since I we mean, are, let's get I, wild. I like that you guys are leaning into the weirdness and yeah, yes. mine, mine was- I, I really wish you had picked the giants, John, because that would have been, that would have been fun. That would have been pathetic and sad, but I thought we weren't doing angst. About, there, what the hell? There, there is a little schadenfreude in, in the Dodgers pick because they have, you know, the, the obviously for the longest time as a giants fan, you're subject to the taunts of, I mean, I, I went to college in a place where it was like 50, 50, Northern California and Southern California people. And so, you know, I had to go through a lot of, of, you know, torment at the hands of, of Dodgers fans. And then, you know, since, since 2010, obviously the Giants have, have fared better. And the yeah. fact that the Dodgers keep getting to the World Series so, and, and failing is. Can I, are you trying to reverse jinx the Dodgers? Is that what, I'm what I'm saying is that if the Do- this this is a series the Dodgers are going to win. It's like the only one they're going to win in the entire 21st century, and it's going to have this huge fucking asterisk can I, next to it. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question about that though? And and this is going to be yet another tangent that's going to keep us going. Like and this is a long podcast, Samuel. Sorry. Um, Who cares? So i I asked this because because if this feels sort of weird to me, so i I know what you're saying, like, I understand like Dodgers fans taunting you, but the odd thing is, even in like two thousand nine, they hadn't won a World Series in like over twenty years at that point, like like it's not the Yankees yeah, they, go ahead, well, no, but I was in college in in well before two thousand nine oh i I know that I know that i I'm just saying though. Like the Yankees Red Sox thing. I, I completely get that. And I completely get before 2004, you know, Yankee fans had their 1918 chant and the Red Sox had so many shitty endings, you know, 1975, 1986. The Red Sox had so much heartbreak where you're like, oh my God, like that, that franchise, like if you weren't a Yankee fan, and I, I know Red Sox fans now and Boston fans now, like, you know, they're to some of some of them, some of them, not the ones on this podcast, <laughs> are smart and and handsome and or, or pretty. But you know, some Red Sox fans are assholes, and I, I get that. But and, and yes, over the last twenty years, and you add in the Patriots, and you know, all all the Boston success, it, it's annoying. But like at, at the beginning of this century, I get it. Like I'm like, wow, like yeah, it, it, it yeah, it's painful to like look at the Yankees and their rings. I just don't have that with the Dodgers. Like I, I look at the Dodgers. It's like, unless you're really old and, and you, you go back to Brooklyn or mm. like the beginning of, of the, you know, the, the run in LA, maybe successful. Yeah. But not, not like so successful, not even like Cardinal successful. Yeah. You're like, okay, well like they, they have enough rings or titles where it's fuck. They're annoying. But in California, just compared to the giants, they were they were and it wasn't just the relative success you know even if they they had uh they didn't have nearly as many you know titles as as like the yankees but the the reputation of the dodgers um and the giants were just i mean you you don't i mean i i know you know objectively 
that this is the case, but the Giants teams from like the late 70s, you know, through most of the the 80s and well they they were they were better through through stretches in the 90s but that you know take that that period as a whole like 1980 to to 2000 it was a pathetic franchise um, well the other thing too about the giants that you know because of of the run you know that it, from 2010 to 2014 that people forget it, if i remember correctly i i believe the last title before 2010 was 1954, right? 54, yeah, 54. Yeah, that's a long drought. I mean, that that, yeah, that is yeah. a. And I know, Sam, as a Ranger fan, you're you're sitting there like sulking, like shut the hell up. But like that, that's a, long, a little bitter. That's a long drought as a fan, though. I mean, that that, well, that is it, it, ridiculous. Right, and at that time, you know, before, um, before the the Cubs and the Red Sox ended ended their droughts, like. You know they they had they got all the press, but the just because 1954 wasn't 1918 doesn't mean it wasn't a hell of a long time, right? And yeah, yeah. So so anyway, um, I'm still picking the Dodgers to win their big asterisk 2020 World Series. So go blue. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Dodgers. So the Dodgers 88. This is won the World Series 81. 65, 63, there's the run, like 59 and 55. Yeah, yeah. That they get, if you're a really old Dodgers fan, I could see you looking at those. But they were always winning the division in like those late 70s. Well, they were in the World Series too, like quite a bit, like in, you know, all all that. So I, I, I get, you know, my, my memory of the Dodgers, like being here in Philadelphia was, you know, the Phillies beat them in back to back um, LCS during the Phillies run, you know, the two years so the like Phillies made the World Series. 2008 and two, no, no, 2008 oh, oh, and back the later one, yeah. Oh, that run. Oh, oh, actually in the 70s, the, it was the other way around. The, the Dodgers, I think in 77 and 78, like beat the Phillies back to back in those two LCSs. And I think, I think one of those Phillies teams like won like 100 games or 101 games, but yeah, the Dodgers like smoked them. Anyway, we, we, we've gone down the we, – we should do a baseball history podcast at some point because I, I think that would be interesting, even if you know Samuel or many of our listeners under 30 would, would no. not. Samuel could nod off at the, uh, at the producer's board and just, you know. Actually, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a guest we could have for that episode that I think would be very interesting if we wanted to do baseball history. Ooh. I think I know who you're thinking of. I bet you I do, do too. Yeah. I d- I don't but that's okay. Um we'll talk all- we'll talk off here. Thank you once again for listening to Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. This was episode 235. Uh, don't forget, now that the season has started by the time you're listening to this or is about to start, uh, you can still subscribe to Baseball Prospectus. Uh, we'll have a lot of the usual excellent coverage, both on the fantasy side and on the other side that you're used to. So, so please, if you're not a subscriber already, uh, please consider doing so. Uh, Once again, for Mike Gianella, John Hagland, and Samuel Hale, thank you so much for listening, and happy opening day.
Happy opening day. Unionize the miners. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.